Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth be always pleasing in your sight. Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I learned something about gumbo. Uh, you cannot just be given a gumbo recipe. It doesn't work like that. You can't just, there's not just like you just read something off a page and you put it in a pot and have that be gumbo. It's a liturgy, meaning there is like words and actions that go together for this thing. And it's a three-day process, at least. Um, and I learned this because a friend of our family's, uh, when Ryan was growing up, we had helped uh, her son, it was a single mom, and we'd helped her son Baylor uh, get a scholarship to join our scout troop. And we included them in a lot of things. We knew that she was kind of struggling to make ends meet. And so anytime we were going to do something fun, we would invite Baylor and her to join us and come along. Uh, to thank me, she said, what is it that I can do for you? And she was from New Orleans. And I said, there's really just one thing. I need to know how to make gumbo. And she was like, no, no, I can't. <laughs> she was like, listen, I can't just give you the recipe. You're going to have to come and spend like three days with me. And it, part of that liturgy was you have to go to certain grocery stores. You can't just go to a regular grocery store. They don't have the right stuff. You have to go to certain grocery stores and you get the special sausage and you get special seasoning, special salt pork, all of these things. And then the next thing she did is she came into my home and I opened up my spice rack. She said, let me see what you got here. And she said, no, 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 no. Show me your pots. And we go over and she's like, you're going to need a bigger pot. And I kept bringing out bigger pots. She's like, you're going to need a bigger pot. Uh, and then when she went back to my spice rack, she threw out my spices and my salt. She threw it out. She said, uh, these, I can tell, are not fresh enough. And I'm telling you, you need new salt. It will make a difference. And it will bring out all the other seasonings and make them stand out in a new way. I got over that. And we went, we went to the grocery store, and then we purchased all of the special things. And then she said, I'm going to let you write down how you see it happening. Uh, I could just give you my recipe, but you really need to understand how I do it. And so I watched her as she made it, and I wrote it in, a, in the terms that I could understand of what to do. First, we had to make the roux. We had to let that do its thing for like a day, you know, before we could even get started on the whole rest of the thing. It was quite a thing. But what stood out to me was, you're going to need new salt. It will make a difference. Salt brings out the other flavors. But the salt that I'm thinking about today that has like a, it's impressed an image in my mind, it was in a container marked blessed salt. And it was in one of the churches that closed. This diocese has closed two churches in the last eight months. Uh, and I had to go out there and gather some of their belongings and bring them back for us. But what struck me was I opened a sacristy door and there was a container marked blessed salt and it was filled. And it was just gonna be thrown out now. <sighs> I bet they thought that they would use it someday. Trees fall, children move on, churches close, and we think that things are going to stay the same all the time, but they don't. 
I know that in Matthew's gospel, he talks about light hidden and salt that's lost its saltiness. And I can only imagine salt losing its saltiness if it's been spent, like salt pork that you use to flavor a gumbo and then you remove when it's spent. But in my experience, it's not the salt being spent that's the problem. It's the salt that's saved. That's the problem. The stuff that you think you're going to do someday. Our passage today is part of Jesus's most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the interesting thing about it is the audience that he's talking to. It's largely made up of sick and afflicted and those who care for them. And his first move is to present them with some surprising information about God, an encouraging map of God's blessings. These are people who don't think that they have anything to offer. No one thinks that they do. And if you're treated that way long enough, you start to believe it too. But Jesus said, blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are the meek, you know, those who get run over by the stronger ones when people take things from them. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In other words, those who know that they haven't done things right and they want desperately to be made right again. Blessed are the merciful and the pure in heart, the peacemakers, because so often in this world, they don't come out on the winning end, but blessed are they. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. Those of you who try to do what's right in the eyes of God and the world pushes back against you. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil falsely against you for my sake. It's to those people, society's outcast, that Jesus is speaking. They've gathered at his feet and he sits them down and he begins to teach. And after telling them that they are divinely blessed, now we come to our reading our passage today, where Jesus declares their identity. He says, you are salt and light, little things that can make a big difference in the larger whole. Like salt, we can spice things up, bring out other flavors in the dish, and we just generally make things better. And like light, we can illumine a room, dispel shadows, or guide a lost person home. Did you know that you can see a small candle flame up to a mile and a half away. If you've ever done time in special ops, you know that, <laughs> no light. This declaration of blessing that Jesus gives also contains within it a move toward instructions for living because he doesn't say you have to work to become salt and light since we already are. All we have to do is to claim and embrace and embody our saltiness. That's right, I said you could be salty and our luminosity, because it's just who we are, it's who we're made to be in God. And this idea of being who we are forms the basis for all the instructions to come in the rest of Jesus' sermon. Jesus doesn't say, follow these instructions and you'll be blessed. He doesn't say, here's a simple formula, the three steps of my sermon, one, two, and three, points A, B, and C. He says, you're already blessed with all of these giftings, and I just need you to bring who you are and let that be seen in the world. Be spice and make it better. Be light and shine. When we started this church, that was our core identity and theology. I taught our core team an acronym called BLESS. And it was, I just need you to be a blessing in the world because that's what the Bible teaches from the beginning, that 
Abraham was blessed so that everyone else could be blessed through him. And I still believe that that is how this whole gospel thing spreads. We have to be a blessing. And I prepare for our parochial report right now where I have to turn in, um, you know, some information about you all. And I'm working on grant proposals, things that will set us up for the next couple of years. And the main question on all of this paperwork that I have to fill out is how successful have you been in forming partnerships in the community? Are you letting your light shine? Does the world know that we're here and that we're trying to do good? I'm always amazed at the extensive list that it is of the people and the organizations that we have blessed. Can you think of any? Can you name a few among you? Go ahead, just shout it out. City House, Minnie's Food Pantry, Warrior Church, the Episcopal Veterans Fellowship Group, yep. Amped Running Group, that's right. The Angel Cadets, the school, Gateway of Grace, absolutely. I can tell you that that is maybe an eighth of our list. And you guys have done an amazing job at that. And then in our passage, Jesus comes, uh, he goes on with some instructions of how we can be a blessing and continue to be a blessing. And that is to fulfill the law. Jesus says that he has come to fulfill the law. And this concept of fulfillment was very important in the ancient world of the gospel. We don't really think of it so much today, that word fulfillment. Uh, but what it meant, I mean, Matthew uses this over and over in his gospel. This was done. Jesus did this in order to fulfill this. And what it means is to be truly embodied, incarnated, to be filled out, brought to life. It's kind of like um, when you, like a perfectly tailored sleeve, and it's just hanging there as a coat, but then I put it on and it's been tailor-made to fit me. That's what Jesus is saying that he is to the law. And then he's going to go on next week, okay? And next week he's going to say, you, he's going to use a formula. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you. What he's saying is that this fulfillment of the law is perfectly tailor-made and it's embodied and it's filled out in him, but it may be different than just the words on the paper. Maybe it's like gumbo. Maybe it's not just a recipe. Maybe I don't just tick off the marks be a good person, give to the poor, I fast, whatever. And our reading from Isaiah today, it said, yeah, you're fasting. And then you let your kin sit outside naked. You're fasting, but you're doing it for your own benefit. There is something different about the embodiment and the fulfillment of the law that gives it substance. And that's what we're supposed to do. Has it ever happened to you where a rule says one thing, but then the Lord whispers something different? in your heart? Maybe the rule, maybe you encounter somebody who has violated a rule, but then he says, no, I want you to show mercy or justice here. I want you to show some grace, <laughs> give some grace to that person. All of it will come back to your identity. Who you be believe that you are determines what you think you're supposed to be doing. You are his, and he says that you are salt and you are light, and your presence is supposed to be known and seen, and in fact, even your very small presence can make a huge difference in a community. I'm inspired by the people in our congregation, not just what we all do together, but there are a few people 
who come to me and say, I'm, I want to think about how I can let my light shine. Now, they don't say it in those words, but that's exactly what they're saying. For example, Don, our lay evangelist, he is pouring out his heart every week in his teaching. Right? He's trying to teach people how do you have spiritual conversations with folks. And that just comes from who he is, the passion of his heart. Laura Burnett asked me if I would have lunch because she's a college professor. And she's at a college that's in our community. And she said, I just want to think about what we can do. Um, what can I do, given the constraints that are put on me, that could let the light shine? I don't have to say it so much, but I just want to be away that people know what I'm about. And it's because of her that we're going to equip you guys with some things. Because she said, you know, the mugs that you give, you know, like in your welcome thing, that's great that people use it at home, though. Here's what I like to use at work. And if I had something I could take to work, I think it would say something without me having to say a word. And so on your way out today, I want each family to pick one up. Okay, they're in that box right there. And they're adorable. So thank you, Laura. <laughs> You guys inspire me. And I know when he talks to people about, I want your righteousness to exceed that of even the scribes and the Pharisees, I know that you do that. Keep doing that. I want to equip you to fulfill your identity and destiny, and I want you to embody it. And so I'm going to take a little picture right here. Hold on. And I'm going to need you guys to come back next week. Hold on. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Everyone here today is going to get money. I have a ministry fund, and it has about a thousand bucks in it. And um, I don't want it to be sitting on a shelf, right? Things change. What if I die tomorrow? What if this church shuts down? What if we don't survive? I want to know that I have spent everything that I've got. And I hope that you want to know that too. And I believe in you. So next week, I'm going to bring you cold, hard cash. And everyone is going to get um, a little portion of money. I got to do the math. I'm not good at math in public. So <laughs> I'll, I'll divide it up. <clears throat> and you're going to get money next week to contribute towards something that you can do. And here's some ideas. There is a small group that I knew about, gosh, over 15 years ago. Uh, at a larger church, and just one little small group said, I wonder if this whole gospel thing is true about the salt and the light, and if we could actually make a big impact just with the eight of us here. I wonder what we could do. And the, the group leaders believed in it enough that they took out $100 for each person from their own checking account, gave it to them, and said, I'm investing in you. Take this $100 and do with it whatever is true for you, your identity, the way that God made you. Is he calling you to minister in your workplace? Is he calling you to minister at school, in your community? Where can you make the most impact? And he gave it to them. And one lady, her name was Kim, uh, she was a runner. And she said, you know, um, I think we can put on a, a race. And uh, really, this 100 bucks that you've given me, all I'm going to do is I'm going to take out a little ad in the newspaper that's right, kids. It was a long time ago. It was like newspapers and people read them and stuff. Uh, I'm going to take out this little ad and uh, I'm going to rent the timing equipment so that we can put on the race. And everything else we can do just by volunteers. And, you know, I know how to put on races. I do races all the time. 
And that developed into what was known as the Roof Dog Run in this community, and it funded mission projects for Christ Church for a long time. I don't know if they're still going, because they really don't advertise it much if they do. It kind of became like an internal thing that they were doing just to fundraise for their missions. But wow, it really did draw people from outside the first couple years that they were doing it. And Kim did a great job. Kim McDaniels, right? The Kents received their do her dog when she went to go become a missionary. Uh, so that's one idea. And then another idea that's just really simple is buying a coffee for the guy in line behind you uh, at Starbucks. Now, I don't have to tell him, you know, about Jesus and tell him he's a sinner and that God died for him out of necessity and love. I don't need to do any of that. I just say, I want to be a little shiny light for you today. And if you want, you can give him a copy of our church business card. You can get my business card and be like, my crazy priest is like making us do this stuff. I just thought it would make your day. So here you go. That's all you have to do. It's just a simple touch. But we have a few other ideas for you. Don is going to hand out... Um, for one per family, a little handout uh, with 94 different ideas. And I didn't want to give it to you immediately because I wanted you to have the few minutes while you're sitting there to think about what would it look like for you. So don't feel like you have to use this list. You don't have to go off this list. You're not constrained by it. I encourage you to spend some time in prayer and think, what could I do with 10 or 20 bucks that would be light and salt in this world? God is at work in this world. And I'm going to spend everything I have so that nothing is left on the shelf. I do it because we're called to do it. Because I love him and I trust him. And I know that if he's calling me to do something, it's because he already knows that I can. I hope that you do it for those reasons too, but also because of you know who you are and that you are salt and you are light. Let us pray. Set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins and give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us and your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.